0: It's time to start rallying around America's young conservatives and explore what it means to be a young Republican in the 21st century in a world where it seems like everyone under 30 must be a liberal. These are the stories you haven't heard before from the voices of America's young conservatives. So let's find out what it truly means to be raised right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Raised Right Podcast. It's me, your host, Rayleigh Klein, back again with another episode featuring the courage of America's young conservatives. It's been a while since I've had an episode, and that's definitely not intentional or what I wanted. I absolutely love doing this, but... For those of you that have been following the podcast or even my journey on social media, know that I am applying to law school or did apply. My applications are finally done. Um, But for anybody that has any connection or family or friends in the law world knows just how much of a process that is to even just apply to law school, all the months of studying for the LSAT and then taking the LSAT and then when you get your LSAT score back, then you have to get your your personal statement written and you have to get letters of recommendation have to have the best resume of your life so it's it's a lot of work and then each school you apply to wants their own things with it as well so it is a it is a journey it is a lot of work I love doing it for the most part except for the LSAT that was I did not love the LSAT I'm not gonna lie that was tough that was a lot of work and time commitment Um, but hey, we did it. We got through it and now my applications are in and I get to just sit and wait. Um, And and hear back, and I'm very excited to see what the next chapter of my life has in store, put my faith and trust in God that he'll get me to where I need to be, and I get to just chill and live a little now and get back to my podcast. So for this week's episode, I have a very unique and special guest. Um, Some of you may be familiar with him, but he is pretty new to the conservative scene, and that's why I love him. His name is Adam Coleman. He's the author of Black Victim to Black Victor, and even that title itself just grabs your attention immediately and he kind of um, embodies what it is like to be a black male in today's world where the left abandons you and um, he's pretty new young conservative and he comes on to share just about the importance of, of free speech and being able to share your thoughts and yeah, without further ado, let's let's welcome him on. So I'm here with Adam Coleman on the Raise Right podcast, who is an aspiring figure for both um, young conservatives in the African-American community all across the nation. Adam, why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, your background and how you were raised right?
1: Uh, sure. So um, I was born in Detroit, um, kind of moved all over the place throughout the country, and um, You know, my general background actually is in IT. You know, I'm a computer guy. Um, I've recently, uh, as of March of last year, I became an author of a book called Black Victim, The Black Victor. Um, And it was more so just a way for me to express myself and, you know, being basically known with really any sort of profile, public profile. um, I wanted to write it. Uh, on, you know, kind of like in an unfiltered way and see if anybody would adapt to it or be interested in hearing about it. So, um, you know, you, you asked about how I ended up kind of shifting to the right. Um, it was a long, not too long, but it was a long process of as far as realizing that uh, there's a whole other perspective that I'm ignoring. Um, and I kind of talk about it a little bit in the book, of being what I call like a default Democrat, um, and in the, and just to make clear, you know, as of today, I consider myself independent, but I believe that I'm, you know, moderately conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it was a, a little bit of a, a transformation over a period of time, of just being more open to information, um, and just being more critical of myself and all the different ideas that exist out there. So that's kind of where I'm at today. I'm somewhere in the middle.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's important to be able to recognize ideas that come from a side that's that's maybe different than what we grew up with or what we're, what we're used to. And um, I really love the idea you know, behind your book and just how black Americans are really taken advantage of and they really want to be stuck. Well, they don't want to be, but their, their profile and this mindset of always being the victim. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious as someone who probably lived this and experienced it firsthand, how did you kind of wake up to that and then decide to write a book about it?
1: Um, I think it's a culmination of my own personal, you know, not feeling like a victim. Mm -hmm. Um, while you know, comparatively there's people who are, far more victim riddled than I am. Um, There were aspects of my life where I wasn't being accountable. I think that's the best way of kind of putting it. Mm -hmm. And once you start taking 100% ownership of your life and all the mistakes that you've made and the successes you've made, then that's when you start realizing that you have far more control. Uh, So what's the opposite end of that? It's waiting for someone to dictate your life. Um, You know, woe is me kind of attitude when things don't go your way. And that's the victim mindset. So as I was making a personal transformation of just uh, being a better person or feeling better about myself, um, I started realizing how things were moving politically for me um, and, and being more open to maybe I'm not getting this right. Um, you know, Maybe I need to be more uh, questioning as far as my political side. Uh, which is interesting for me when I think about it, because I remember when I was a pretty young age, I questioned a lot of things. Uh, I was always questioning things. But when it came to politics, I didn't. And that was the weird part about it. Um, You know, I took what the media said, you know, at one point, you know, I used to watch MSNBC on a regular basis. I thought I was being informed. I thought I was taking that information and being critical about it and and making my own decisions about it. But I didn't grasp how one-sided that information was. Um, I didn't realize until later on that I really didn't know any Republicans. You know, I really didn't even know any conservatives, you know, especially living in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. There's no obviously there are Republicans here, uh, but there's no outward Republicans. I probably knew maybe two in my life who you know, expressed that they, you know, they're Republicans, but I really didn't know anybody. Yet I had this idea, this perspective about what it means to be conservative or be a Republican, um, basically filtered through the left. And so once I left that bubble and just started watching the right media for myself, and actually I started watching uh, progressive media too, like I was open. I was trying to figure out what makes sense. So for a period of time, I was listening to progressive stuff. So I understand how they think and I understand what they want. Um, But then I shifted to more the conservative side and just taking in that information, you know, listen to Ben Shapiro, listen to, you know, like Steven Crowder, um, uh, you know, all all the different, you know, popular figures, just taking in information. Doesn't mean I agree with everything they're saying, Mm
0: -hmm. but I
1: found myself saying, this makes far more sense, right? Uh, than you know the other information I was taking in. What feels more natural to me? So that's kind of how I kind of balanced out myself. Um, and on top of that, there's been a political shift. You know, the the left. I in many ways I feel like the left left me, which is why I made my decision to. Abandon being a Democrat and become an independent is because there are classical liberals who are, you know, holding on tight to the Democrat Party. But man, I'm watching a lot of them lose grip of it um, because they're realizing that they're placating to progressives. Um, and they're losing, you know, the things that I used to hold dear, like free speech, that used to be a liberal principle. Um, and now it seems like the conservatives have been far more open to it than, uh, you know, my old party. So I think that's kind of, it's like two things. It's my personal transformation and, and on top of the political shift.
0: I love that. The left left me. That's powerful. That's um, yeah. I think, you know, what a lot of a lot of people feel. And you're right. You know, the, the conservatives now were in a way the hippies of the 70s that were, you know, for the peace and for free speech. And it's, it's such a, such a big shift. And um, I'm, I'm glad that people are kind of waking up to that. And I think you also made a good point about being open to information from both sides and being able to articulate and figure out your own opinion and all this chaos of, of politics going on around us, being able to figure out what you truly believe is, is super important. um so you founded this publishing company called wrong speak and i'm curious how you came up with that name and what the the goal was behind it
1: uh i mean it's more orwellian sounding uh so that's kind of like the the impetus behind it but um you know i started wrong speak mainly as a blog uh, for myself but as time went on i wanted it to become something more than just me um you know like i said before i didn't really have a public profile and i i really didn't even express my viewpoints publicly i would talk to people that i knew privately you know discussions i you know i didn't feel there was any purpose of you know going on facebook and saying i like this i don't like this dude. Mm-hmm. there's just no point and it didn't and still to this day it doesn't achieve much dialogue um so i pretty much just kept to myself um but then, you know, the events of George Floyd, and that's kind of like what put me in a situation to figure out, like, one, am I alone in how I feel about this? Uh, and two, how can I express myself in a meaningful way? So the first part was actually starting writing my book. But then I found myself wanting to talk about certain things that were wouldn't be in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted you know, just general things that were happening around me politically. So I started wrong speak. So, you know, I talk about like relationships. I talk about family. Talk about, um, you know, one of my earlier articles talk about my struggle with finding God in my life. And you know, I talk a little bit about it in the book, but I wanted to have an outlet to to discuss it. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, initially, like I said, it started with me, but then I started inviting people, uh, not even just inviting people, encouraging people to come and write on the website. I think a lot of people are scared of the boogeyman called cancel culture, um, you know, especially when they see famous people lose their livelihoods and they say, if that person could lose their livelihood, you know, I can too. Mm-hmm. And granted, there have been situations where, you know, an average American loses their job over something they say. But I think the, the risk of losing your job is far less than the risk of losing yourself you know, letting other people scare you into shutting up or, you know, or having them slander your name. And I wanted to have an outlet for people to one, you know, encourage them to use their voice and two, use your name, show your face, put your picture up. You know, this is my name, Adam B. Coleman. This is what I look like. I'm not afraid. Right. So I want other people to, to feel that way too. Um, I would say I was able to put more effort into getting more people to write after the book came out. You know, it's just a lot of work to to write a book in general, a lot of time and effort. So after doing that, I started getting more and more people who were interested. Uh, So there's less and less articles written by me and more and more people uh, besides myself who are writing. And, you know, I can think of, I'll tell you a couple of quick ones. Uh, one person who couldn't, I understand, they couldn't use their real name and, and face, mm-hmm. but it was someone who works at a big tech company that we're all familiar with. And they wanted an outlet to say, here's what's wrong. And, you know, I had phone calls with them. We were going back before they sent me, you know, edits and stuff like that. I gave my tips. And finally, we were able to publish and spread their, their true thoughts as to what's going on around them. And it was very well received. You know, I usually what I do is I put money behind it and start advertising it Mm -hmm. wherever I can and, you know, share it with people. And, you know, they felt so good being able to kind of get that out there. And it feels even better when other people read it and say, wow, yes, I I hear everything that you're saying, you know, because it kind of confirms to them, especially for, for that person. They felt like they were on an island, you know. Uh, and that's kind of how I felt in the very beginning too, like I'm the only one who feels this way. Um, another person recently, she uh, corresponded with me, and you know she was just an avatar and a and a weird name. And I encouraged her. It was like write something. So finally she was like, all right, I'll write something. She's like, should I show my should I use my name? I was like, use your name and show your face. Don't be scared. She changed it, puts her name, shows her face and she wrote an article and she feels so great. And she's like, I want to write another article. And now she's going around and she has she feels so carefree now by showing her face and not hiding and not being afraid. And, you know, I want people to be unafraid, be yourself and don't don't worry about slander. Don't worry about all the, the negativity from other people. Ultimately, what matters is what you think about yourself that's, that's basically how I feel.
0: Right. And we're the greatest country on earth because we have the freedom to speak our mind freely without repercussions. And I don't know how familiar you are with my story, but I was that American that lost their job over the context of their free speech and Mm. fought back and won a lawsuit against it. And like you said, it's the most freeing feeling ever to just be able to stand behind what you believe and, and do what you love without fear of the repercussions and cancel culture is a scary thing. I think so many people are afraid to lose their whole life over what they believe, which is not, not what this country is, is supposed to be. So for those that, you know, might be listening or kind of walking in the forest and can't see everything in front of them, what would be your advice in terms of finding the courage to speak out and and hold true to your values?
1: Uh, I mean, and, and admittedly, I didn't know your your background, but I would look at someone like yourself. Like, I feel like the, the, the trials and tribulations that we go through in life, they help to either, uh, they help to basically show what we're made of, mm-hmm. right? You were able to overcome that and here you are today and you're a stronger person because of it. For myself, I've been through way worse right? I, like I've literally been homeless. I've been ho- homeless multiple times. And so the the possibility of losing my job because of something I say, I'm not inviting it, right? It's not something that we want. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't want to compromise who I am for that. If I lose my job, I'm pretty confident I'll find another one, right? That's, that's just how I feel about it. Um, or at some point, maybe I'll make my you know, do my own thing and make my own money if it comes down to it. So, you know, I don't feel that I'm that controversial of a person to to run into something like that. Uh, You know, the more you push the edges, the more, you know, pushback you get. But I think for most people, they're pretty average, middle of the road type of people. The, The problem is that the extremists are dictating the narrative and everything to the right of the extreme left appears extreme right um so that's why everybody's in fear years ago it wasn't that big of a deal uh, for you to say how you felt politically um you weren't it was very unlikely that you would lose your job you would have to do something really egregious uh to lose your job over something but um but I think ultimately look at you know look at someone like yourself who's able to come over you know from the other side it's it's momentary, uh, momentarily scary, but you'll make it through. That's, that's kind of how I feel.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And for you, I mean, I'm, you've obviously had some incredible struggles and came out a Victor. Absolutely. Um, but did you ever feel, did you ever feel lonely and like you were the only person and how did you find the community um, that was like, Hey, you know, we think like you, we, we have your back. How did you go about finding them?
1: Uh, Actually, uh. I went on to, um, it's a website called Slug. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I haven't. Yeah, uh, slug.com. It's a free speech website. Um, Cause I felt like it was a pointless venture going on, you know, Facebook. Mm-hmm. At the time I wasn't on Twitter. Um, so I was like, let me look for other places. So I, f- I was watching a video, they promoted it. I was like, I'll oh, check it out. And I started writing and just expressing myself. And people were saying, you should write more often. And people were like private messaging me, like you should write for like a magazine or something or send in articles. And I was like, I should write more often. Like this feels good to express myself. Um, and without Slug, I don't know if I'd be here today, uh, but it was a great outlet for me to kind of get started and have that confidence to to write and, and put myself out there. Um, and you know, I don't know if you know about this, but because this just happened yesterday, but um, you know, a big milestone yesterday. I had my first article, hopefully of more, uh, many more, but my first article in the New York Post, um, which was something you know, someone suggested to me like a year ago. You should try and send it. And I never thought it would happen. Um, you know, so I I've had a few articles in Newsweek, you know, an article in New York Post, um, you know, so it's. It's a huge thing for me because not that long ago, I didn't have a voice at all and I wasn't expressing myself publicly uh, and I was too timid to do so. So, you know, if I can do it, I'm, I'm just a guy, um, but, you know, the more the more you write, the more you kind of uh, build your own voice and your own style and, you know, and you, you feel uh, it's therapeutic. I think that's a, another thing to kind of say, it's therapeutic to just uh, get it out there. Uh, And it's even more rewarding when people are like, you know, I can't write, but how you wrote it, that's exactly how I feel, Mm -hmm. right? So it kind of gives other people the feeling like, I'm not alone in how I feel about this. So it's good to to be that person.
0: Yeah, you're giving them a voice too, you know, it's not just... About getting your name out there but it's being a voice for the people who may be too scared to put their own thoughts and beliefs out there and yeah that's kind of a fun thing about technology as many bad sides as there are to it we are able to connect with people all over the world like you and I never would have met had it not been for social media and the outreach that's there so I think it's easier to make those communities now than it's ever been before and there's right. no reason to shy away from from doing what you love and being happy with it
1: absolutely absolutely you know I kind of see uh, we were just talking about big tech censorship yesterday on Twitter spaces. You know, big tech is whatever you make it. You know Twitter is whatever you make it. You know I used to have this idea that Twitter was a cesspool. I mean, it can be, if you want it to be, um, but how you engage with it, how you behave on it, that's, that's all in your control. So I'd like to focus on what I can control rather than what I can control.
0: Very true it's a good way to approach everything in life.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well is there anything we didn't get to talk about that you were wanting to mention or get in?
1: Um you know, I I do I started having more conversations of, uh, on Twitter spaces um with different people. I do it weekly 7:30 p.m. uh Eastern Standard on Wednesdays. Um and, you know, it's been a great opportunity to talk to all different types of interesting people that I've been lucky enough to meet on Twitter. Um, you know, not to say, like, here are my favorites, but like one in particular was talking about uh, mental health in the military. Um, and I was able to get uh, quite a few people on um, who were in the military. Um, uh, Gretchen from Code of Vets, she came on. Um, And she was able to tell her story with her father. Um, We had a couple hundred people in there, I believe at one point, uh, who were just listening and taking it all in. I let some of them speak, tell their story. Um, I learned a lot because I have no military experience. And I said, listen, I'm coming from a place of ignorance, you know, but I'm curious to find out what you what you have to say. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a great experience. Uh, it was very eye-opening. It was kind of emotional, um, you know, because they're talking about, you know, people that they were close to who killed themselves, uh, people who were struggling after um, leaving the military, you know, all these different things, the lack of support they were getting from the government. Um, so without this that space, you know, I would be a little bit more ignorant about the situation, but now I'm, I'm more enlightened. So, you know, it's been... It's been great to, to lead these conversations, to have like a a nice calm place, you know, because I call it a good faith space, mm-hmm. you know, because I wanted it to be like you say your piece and we won't interrupt you. And and we have a dialogue and I let people say what if they're on the panel, I let them say what they want to say. You know, we ask questions, you know, and, and kind of you know learn from each other, essentially. Um, so anytime I can have an opportunity to, to learn something, uh, learn a different perspective, think things through, because I admit I'm not perfect. and I, I don't know everything. Um, so I'm going to be ignorant about something. So I'm always open to, to different discussions.
0: I love that. And it's so true. Like none of us are perfect. We don't know everything. There's, and we should never stop learning. We should never stop trying to understand things that, that we may not. And I think that's, What's missing so much from today, not only politically, but just in how we converse with each other is we don't we don't listen. You know, we just hear people in order to respond, but we're not really listening and digesting what they're saying and and understanding a perspective or a viewpoint that's not ours. And I think that's really important that we that we do as Americans.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, because I've written articles talking about communication. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, one of the big problems I see when it comes to political discussion, uh, for the people who actually want to have a political discussion, is that they don't know how to have a discussion, like right. just in general. Um, what they need to do to to put themselves in a position to convey their message and receive a message. Um, you know, for one, like I always say, establish a good faith situation. Don't just say whatever to any random person, and being shocked when they're rude and disrespectful, like you have to establish a good faith. You have to build into what you're trying to say. Um, and you have to, you know, for certain people that you have to acknowledge, and then you can say what you want to say, then you can give a rebuttal, find some sort of middle ground, some sort of agreeance, And then you can express yourself. So it won't be as contentious, but you also have to learn when to leave the conversation when it's unproductive or, or leave it when it becomes a bad faith discussion. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, those, those different things, that's how you, that's how you can really further yourself. Um, But if you are, if you're truly out to have a discussion, not a debate, A debate is about winning, but if you want to talk to people that you care about friends, family members, You have to do these particular things to to have a dialogue between, uh, you know, two people who may not agree on certain things, but at least you can understand each other. Or the safest thing is don't talk about it at all. It's okay if you know if you don't want to hurt your relationship with someone, don't talk about politics. It's it's as simple as that. There was a time period when it was okay to not talk about politics. Yeah. Um, So. I think that is also something that people can exercise when to, when to say it's not worth it when to back away. You know, I think that's important.
0: Right. And these are all things that people used to be taught either growing up or in school. And now it's like a completely foreign concept. And it's sad to see that we don't even know how to have a conversation because it's such this us versus them mentality. And there's no, there's no middle ground.
1: No. And That's one of the things that I put in the book, find commonality with other people, Mm -hmm. you know, in the book, you could say in the context of race, but like with anything, with anybody, find some sort of commonality between between you because, you know, we have far more in common than we do different. So find it, it's not that difficult if you actually want to. Um, I think most people in the United States are pretty apolitical, middle of the road, even if they're moderately right or moderately left, uh, moderately left, um, and you can find something, you know, like a lot of my tweets, I talk about, uh, I talk about family, like we all have a family, um, you know, that's something we can all connect with. You know, a lot of us have children. We could talk about children. You know, uh, the other day I had a tweet that got a little bit of movement talking about parents. We all have parents, right? So these are things where I'm not trying to be hyper-partisan, you know, otherwise if you are saying Democrats this and that every day. No, I'm, I'm trying to find some sort of conversation that we can agree on and we can have a discussion about that would be interesting. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's ultimately what I'm trying to do.
0: I love that. I think it's so important just to talk about little things like that. Doesn't always have to be political. Doesn't have to be super right or super left, but just things that are going on in the world.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Well, thank you for your courage. And thank you for coming on to kind of share your experience through American politics and what you're doing now. I think everybody should go read your book because it sounds like it has a super powerful message that applies, like you said, not only to race, but everything in American society today.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the, the race aspect in the book is is kind of like a case study. There's a lot of general principles, you know, I talk about family, I talk about, um, you know, it's not too heavy on religion because I know not everybody's religious, uh, but I talk a little bit about God, but I talk about human behavior and, and a bit of psychology and uh, behavioral, um, I give kind of like a behavioral na- analysis as well, um, which I'm not a psychologist, admittedly so, but I have had uh, a psychologist read it and say, you're not, you're not wrong you know, so I had a little bit of validation. So I, I appreciate that. But um, yeah, I, I kind of go into different areas. It's very personal. You learn a lot about me. And um, I feel like I, I make a lot of sense.
0: Good. That's awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. I definitely want to get you back on to maybe talk about some maybe controversial or big news stories or something, because I think you're a great, honest source to to have. So thank you for joining our community here on Raised Right.
1: Thank you. Yeah, anytime you want.
0: If you're a conservative ready to stand firm in their beliefs and fight for freedom, you're not going to want to miss a single episode of the Raised Right podcast. You can subscribe on any of your favorite podcast apps so you're up to date on what's going on in the political world. Be sure to like, follow, and share our content on the Instagram page at Raised Right Podcast and Facebook and Twitter at Raised Right Pod. This is what it means to be raised right.